Hey, uh, good morning, Christ City Church. Uh, good to see you. Good to see you. Um, I do, uh, I want to um, acknowledge uh, the Wiggins family here in the back. If we can say hello to them. Uh, Mr. Lank and Miss Monica Wiggins here uh, visiting, uh, visiting Nikki. And uh, so it's always a, a treasure and a joy. Thank you uh, for um, uh, commissioning Nikki to be with us over uh, these past. Uh, it's been a long season. Uh, and a good one. So welcome, welcome. Um, my name is Matthew Watson. I serve as pastor of teaching and outreach here at Christ City. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love to. Uh, I hope that you've, uh, man, I hope you've enjoyed like sort of the changing seasons and this gorgeous weekend that we've had. hope you had a chance to look at the moon, uh, you know, last few nights. It was kind of hazy the first night, but undeterred. It's been a pretty, pretty amazing. Um, oh, and, and a happy Labor Day weekend. Don't know if you notice, uh, you know, get to sort of a three-day weekend for many of us. So listen, if you're here because you simply can't imagine not being at Christ City on a Sunday, glad that you're here. If you're here because you had like some three-day Labor Day plans and then they fell through, you know, sorry, not sorry, glad you're here too. Um, or maybe you just sort of arrived here and you're like, I just need to gather with people and just to, just to be reminded that God is in control and that uh, Christ uh, brings resurrection uh, to all of us and that you are a child of God. So whatever are the reasons that you're here, I'm, I, I am, uh, I'm glad that you're here, and I want you to know that um, it's our prayer and our hope that you experience the care and love of God that is made available through Jesus this morning. Um, last week, we prayed over uh, our students uh, as they launched into a new school year. And for many of us, the start of a school year, uh, and this weekend, this Labor Day weekend, it sort of marks the beginning of a new season. Um, it, it, you know, it's not sort of a calendar year. You know, we don't turn a page on it necessarily. Uh, but there is a shift uh, in the seasons, whether it's because of the start of the school year, the start of football season, or fantasy football season. By the way, Christ City Fantasy Football League, the draft is tonight at 8.30, and y'all chumps are going down this year. I'm going to win, just want you to know. Uh, so whatever it is, I feel like sort of that this uh, weekend begins kind of the mark of a new season. Um, and so often what that does, for me anyway, is it stirs sort of a bit of, um, of reflection and anticipation, a, a reflection about where we've been, particularly over the summer. Just a few weeks ago, Christ City, we uh, gave away backpacks at the Rosedale Library for Rosedale young people as they began school, and then we gave away another 50 backpacks here at Minor Elementary for the students here. We participated in the back-to-school cleanup, campus cleanup here, so the students could come uh, into this school uh, with it being as clean and as welcoming as it can be. Over the summer, we connected with each other. We uh, got together over at the, at the, uh, the High Line uh, there at Union Market. We uh, went and watched uh, the Nats play the Marlins earlier this summer just as a way to connect with each other. We began the summer by distributing $12,000 to Christ City students who are, as we speak, currently enrolled in Jacksonville University and Morgan State Montgomery College. And, and also, uh, Christ City, we have uh, submitted letters of recommendation to area fire departments for Christ City young people who are beginning their path towards becoming public servants and firefighters. And that's just the last few months, okay? And I'm grateful how God is using us and using uh, this church and the lives of those that call Christ City home and in our neighborhoods. But I'm also filled with anticipation, to be honest anticipating how God will use us as we move into this new season, as we move into the fall. Small group's going to be starting in just a few weeks. ChristCityDC.org forward slash small dash groups, baby. That's what's up. 
Weekly rhythms of people gathering to care for one another and encourage one another and to serve together. Rhythms of growing in faith. We'll begin our monthly rhythm of serving the uh, minor community during their parent-teacher, their PTO organizational meetings. Eight Street Festival, just around uh, the corner in a couple of weeks, where we're going to give away like 1,200 popsicles to people. An opportunity for us to serve our neighbors and celebrate with our neighbors the beauty of the Eight Street community. Later this month, we're going to commission a team out uh, of Christ City members who are going to serve alongside our international partners at Paz y Esperanza in Peru connecting with Christian community development and peacemaking organizations that are seeking justice and flourishing for marginalized communities in Latin America so that we can learn what we can bring back here and deploy here in our own neighborhood. We're going to cultivate joy with the Rosedale Library in a Rosedale neighborhood, neighbors at the Halloween Festival later in October. And we're going to continue our ongoing work of advocating for quality affordable housing and Reservation 13 here in the community with fellow churches as we walk together with the Washington Interfaith Network. That's just the fall. Now, church, momentum is building here. We can sense it. We can feel it. We can see it. God is at work. The Spirit is, is stirring in us and inviting us to join in that kingdom-building, justice-displaying, soul-healing work of salvation. And yet, if we are going to sustain in the work that is ahead, if we are to continue to co collectively in what God is doing through us, then we must also attend to the work that God wants to do in us. This is why it's important for us to be a part of a small group, to surround yourselves with others who can remind you of God's love and embrace to you, to be rooted in a community that points you towards Jesus and God's work so that together we can uncover the idols in our lives and replace them with passionate love for Jesus and our neighbor. It's also going to be important for us to cultivate faithful rhythms of soul care and daily practices that, that anchor us in the gospel truth of God's grace rather than the world's narrative that says you are only as good as you contribute to the bottom line. I'll say all that to say uh, it's exciting. I, like, I'm ready. I like this weekend. It's an exciting time to be a part of Christ City, and I'm thankful for all that God is doing in us right here in our neighborhood, around the world. I want to thank you, uh, all of you, for saying yes uh, to what the Spirit has been doing in us this summer. And let's collectively carry that same energy into the fall, sustained by the care and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Labor Day is tomorrow. Uh, you know, surprise. Maybe you were like, oh, I thought it was just Monday. No, guess what? Like many of us, you know, it's the last holiday that for, you know, for many of us, it's kind of ending the summer season. And the beginning of the fall, you know, it's sort of like the beginning of the fall, even if, though, on the calendar, like, fall doesn't start for another three weeks, right? Like, I know, you know, technicalities. Um, but Labor Day, for all its intents and purposes, it's the day of kind of demarcation where we collectively shift out of the relaxed rhythms of summer and into the, you know, rhythms of work and school and sports schedules and regular meetings and hustle and grind and just all of that. Labor Day is a U.S. federal holiday. It's actually celebrating work and workers and the labor movements of the past and of the present. Did a bit of digging on the history and origins of Labor Day, and as it turns out, uh, it began as a celebration of the labor movements in the late 1800s. Uh, it was a day set aside, first Monday in September, to honor the American worker. Oregon, of all places, random, 
was the first state to celebrate Labor Day. No offense to Oregonians. Yeah, all right. Uh, other states quickly, I almost went with Oregonite, and I'm like, I don't think that's right either. Uh, other states, they kind of quickly followed. Finally, 1980 or 1894, it became a federal holiday. Uh, around this time, there's always kind of a lot of, maybe it's just, you know, so the algorithms on my social media, always a lot of articles end up in my screen about, like, work and labor and stats. Uh, Time Magazine came out with an article about the productivity of the American worker uh, and the number of hours Americans work. Turns out Americans are, are top five in the world in productivity uh, and top five in the world in number of hours worked. Raise your hand if you're surprised. Uh, Americans, according to some studies, they work more than anyone <laughs> in the industrialized world, more than the French, more than the English, and uh, recently more than the Japanese. American workers take less vacation and work longer days and retire later as well. We're number one. <laughs> and while that always doesn't mean that we're more productive, Luxembourg, again, random, is apparently the most productive country in the world, but they only work 29 hours. Yes. Anybody like want to say, hey, well, is there any openings? How does <laughs> you can do some remote work? Uh, tomorrow, Labor Day for many of us, though not all of us, I do want to recognize that. Uh, we'll take the day for a holiday. Or kind of li and we'll likely use that day to mentally and even physically kind of ready ourselves from the transition away from vacations and back towards the daily and weekly tasks of what can feel like uninterrupted work, or at least uninterrupted until Thanksgiving. And though we might make this turn kind of begrudgingly, uh, work is good. Um, work is something that God established. Uh, there was work in the Garden of Eden. God commands Adam and Eve to name all the animals and all of creation, kind of like a, you know, ancient form of data entry, I guess. I don't know. Like, he purposed that the first people that they would work, that they would tend to the garden. However, in the beginning, though, work wasn't the chore and the frustration that it is now on this side of the fall. Yet even now, there remain ways that our work, whatever it is that we do, that it actually points to the creative nature of God and God's creative and redemptive work in the world, even if it's hard to see that in Monday staff meetings and weekly spreadsheets. Fair and honest and hard work is good. Yet, even now, there remains ways that our work continues to stir in us a shared ache that God had when God created the world. But for many of us, our work can actually become idols in our lives. Work can make demands of our lives that can seem never-ending and insatiable. Work can, can break our bodies, and it can break our spirits, can it not? Sometimes that which is intended to be good and God-honoring can also be withering and soul-crushing. Work can be identity-forming in distorted ways. And so this morning, what I want to address isn't actually work or labor, but rather rhythm and rest. In light of the work that we are called to do and even the work that we have to do, what does it mean for us to situate that in a healthy rhythm and a rightful rest? In Matthew 11, the passage that we read earlier, Jesus uh, is giving us an invitation, giving us an invitation both to rhythm and to rest. To understand 
kind of the drama of what Jesus is saying in Matthew 11. It's helpful to kind of peek forward into Matthew 12. In Matthew 12, twice, Jesus is challenged by religious leaders of the day about whether or not Jesus is keeping the Sabbath, the, the Jewish holy day that was originally set aside for rest and reflection. However, what the religious leaders want to do in Matthew 12 is, is they want to twist rest into a collection of rules to follow and made what was meant to be a day of rest and renewal and made it, in, made it about people's ability to follow rules rather than about God's generosity. And because of this perversion of the Sabbath, Jesus accuses them of condemning those who are innocent in the eyes of God. So on the one hand, you have those who, who kind of stand in resistance to Jesus, saying essentially, after you work as unto the Lord, you ought to come to the end of your week, and what you find there is more work and more rules and more self-centered sacrifice. And it's in contrast to that that Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Even in Jesus' words here, there's a recognition that work is a part of life and a part of what it means to follow Jesus. So saints, let me say this. I'm glad that you're here with each other. I'm glad that you're here with me and that we're worshiping together and that we're reminding one another of God's love and, and God's promises and God's healing and God's liberation and God's salvation. It's right for us to be here this morning. And tomorrow, when you're grilling your Nathan's hot dogs or you know cooking out or whatever, and on Tuesday, when you're filing in and readying your, for your staff meetings or you're logging in to Zoom rooms, that God is also with you in those places and in those moments as well. They are holy, just as this moment is holy. You're on mission there. You have spiritual purpose there, just as you had spiritual purpose when we were cleaning up this campus or when we were distributing backpacks. Jesus is affirming that work is a part of what it means to follow him. But there's a cadence to what Jesus is saying. There's a, there's a rhythm to his invitation. Come to me, find rest. Work with me, you will find rest. Take from me, my burdens are light. There's a back and forth. There's a beat to it. It's, it's a melody that anchors on Christ. And I do fear that our work productivity grind, that our work lives have become... Well, they become something that is, that, is, that is missing this rhythm that Jesus is extending to us, and it's to the detriment of our lives. All of creation, humanity included, was created for work, but we were also created for rhythms. We were created to follow a beat or a pulse or a cadence, and that rhythm includes rest. God worked to create the world in six days, and then God rested. There's life cycles and water cycles. There's patterns and seasons, the leaves fall in the autumn, they're reborn in the spring. As spoken word artist Harry Baker, who, who lives on the British coastal town of Margate, in a piece he wrote reflecting, uh, he says this, I've been looking up the tide times. Imagine where and when you go, decided by the phases of the moon, knowing that you are a part of something that's so much bigger than you. Oceans, as big as they are, they have rhythms too. Modern lifestyles, that can give us few reminders of these life rhythms that we were meant to keep. We used to like start and stop with sunrises and sunsets. 
lives used to follow the agricultural seasons of planting and harvesting, and seasons when the ground was to lay fallow and empty so the soil could rest. But now we live in a 24-7 world, constantly at work, constantly plugged in, turned on and well lit, yet still expected to be fruitful year-round. Where we once rested when the sun laid its head below the horizon, now we work into the dark, driven to create our own light in the middle of the night. I've mentioned her before. She's one of my favorite writers right now, but journalist uh, Latria Graham, she writes about this thoroughly modern and very American reality of this driven-to-work, constantly-lit phenomenon when she visited the Bare Dark Sky Observatory in Burnsville, North Carolina. It's one of the last remaining truly dark patches of sky east of the Mississippi River. She writes, some sleepless nights, I am unsure how the world works. There's so much pressure to create my own light with little thought of the emotional or environmental costs. And when it burns out, I'm left fumbling, searching for something to sustain me during life's pitch black moments. I'm not sure that humanity was intended to be constantly lit. Rhythms of dawns and twilights were always meant to be gifts that we enjoy. It seems that our lives and our souls, they have an, an arrhythmia to them. Arrhythmia, it's a, you familiar with this? It's a most commonly uh, associated with um, an abnormal heartbeat. Uh, it's when uh, the heart doesn't receive the proper electrical signals and it beats either too fast or too slow, but it's out of rhythm. Arrhythmia, when it occurs in the body, it can cause pain in the chest. It can cause confusion and fainting and dizziness and in some cases death. I think life arrhythmias can do the same. When our lives are lived under the constant arrhythmic patterns that we weren't designed for, I think it makes our hearts hurt. I think it makes our chests hurt. I think it clouds our minds. It makes us dizzy, and in the worst cases, it can lead to our death. Our lives were meant to have rhythm. And I think that's what Jesus is offering us, a life with him that carries a cadence of grace to it. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest, Jesus says. Take my yoke, learn from me, gentle, humble. You'll find rest for your souls, my yoke is easy. Um, some of you have been to my house. I live in a hundred-year-old row house uh, just down the street here. Um, and to keep the house cool, uh, we, we haven't done many upgrades. I like, you know, if it works, I ain't trying to change nothing. Uh, ain't no school like old school, baby. So in my house, we got window units everywhere. And I'm telling you, man, I love a, I love a window unit. Um, I know they look terrible, but yo, in the summer, man, I love me a window unit. Nothing better than to sleep under the cold hum of an AC unit row. Yo, one of my favorite things is kind of sleeping to the purr and the chill of a window unit, man, I put that joint on snow blow. If I don't see, like, flakes coming out of it, man, it ain't turned up high enough. Uh, and uh, on top of that, in the summer, not only do I have the AC going, but I got an oscillating fan, baby. 
Because I'm like, yeah, there's 100 degrees outside, but, man, it looked like a snow globe in my bedroom, man. I just love it. Got my blanket up. That's the best sleeping on the planet. Um, but thinking about the, our window units especially, I mean, Lisa hates it, but, yo, she loves me. So the thing about window units, especially not the one in our bedroom, but the one in our living room, they can be noisy, man. Like, we got one in the living room that's, it's, I don't know probably time to give up the ghost, but that same hum that can like rock you to sleep, uh, it can annoy you, like especially like if we've had small group in the living room or you got folks over, like it's loud and like whoever sits there, like they got to bring a jacket because they're like right in front of it and then you got to shout at them because they're like, I don't, I, I don't know what you're saying, bro, like because they're just, they're just noisy and it just drones on and on and on and on, the window units at our house. There's another sound at our house. Often, you know, it kind of hits, uh, you know, like when the kids come home or we're like doing chores, and that's Latin music, mostly Afro-Cuban music. Lisa's family's originally from Cuba, uh, and so when we're doing chores, or, like the kids come home or I'm making lunches or whatever, like we'll hit, you know, Spotify, Cuban station, put it on the, you know, the Bluetooth, uh, 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 you know, uh, speaker, and then we'll just kind of dance our way through the task, you understand? Y'all don't know. I used to be a professional dancer. That's a story for another time. You can ask me later. <laughs> but you just hear that. Like, you hear the horns and, and the drums and the congas. And, man, you just can't. You know, the singers, like, it's intoxicating. Man, that joint comes on. As soon as the music starts, man, I forget my cooking duties. I grab Lisa. And, man, it's the cumbias, the salsa, merengue. Like, yo, it's the rhythms. My kids, like, are rolling their eyes. And I'm like, get to work. Watch what you something in us that longs for rhythm. As my friend G.R. Woodward writes, we were meant to live punctuated lives. He would say, in other words, life can become one long run-on sentence. But life was not meant to be lived that way. We need commas in our lives where we pause and reflect and have long lunches and take afternoon naps. We need periods in our lives taking 10 minutes at the end of our days to reflect on where we walked with God and where we failed to. We need to reflect on what God gave us, what gave us life and what drained our lives that day. We need exclamation marks in our lives. We need to know what stirs our passions. We need to learn to play with friends and celebrate with neighbors. We need question marks to remind us to have an ongoing curiosity about God and about ourselves and about our neighbors and our neighborhood and life in general. We were meant for punctuated lives. A singer-songwriter, Tyler Childers, reminds us in his haunting love ballad, In Your Love, we were never made to run forever. We are not air conditioners. And even air conditioners need a break. I worry that if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll drift into living like the rhythmless hum of my window units rather than the soulful sounds of the Afro-Cuban All-Stars or Juan de Marcos Gonzalez. At the risk of getting too uh, prescriptive, there are two rhythms that I want to commend to you. Two things that have helped me and helped the saints throughout the ages. The two rhythms I want to suggest are prayer and fasting. We've covered some of these in previous sermon series throughout the summer. 
Now, before you're like, okay, okay, I got it. You know, I'm meaning specific, a specific kind of prayer and a specific kind of fast. Take it or leave it. I just offer it up to you humbly. I want to invite you, as we move into the fall, to cultivate a daily rhythm of kneeling prayer twice a day. First thing in the morning, last thing you do at night. In his book, Common Rule, uh, Justin Early writes, we all desire to shape our chaotic days into lives with meaning. That begins with punctuating our days with words and the words of prayer. First thing in the morning uh, when I get up, I'm not 100% about this, uh, but I'll get out of my bed and I'll just kneel and I'll just pray. First thing, drop to my knees and I'll pray. Most mornings when I do this, I just pray the Lord's Prayer and a short prayer to the Lord on behalf of the day ahead. And then likewise, last thing before I hit the sack and drift off, last words of the day are prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of entrusting the day's work to the Lord who watched over me while I labored and now will watch over me while I sleep. Um, I've come to appreciate sort of the act of actually kneeling because it forces me to change my posture, forces me to get out of bed and to change my posture. Often one of the ways that we can take hold of our minds is to take hold of our bodies and to, to rearrange our bodies in a manner that arrests our thoughts and allows us to adjust our attention to the Lord. Um, the truth is, the morning and evenings are like the only parts of my day that I can 100% control. Once I say amen and get up, man, goodness gracious, I don't know what your days are like, but there is no telling what sort of chaos is going to wait outside that bedroom door, you know, amidst my snow globey sanctuary that I've created. I suspect I'm not the only one, but let me control the, the bookend of the day. Let me control that. And remember that God is still in control over whatever is ahead of me throughout that day. The other practice is fasting. But a specific fast I want to speak to, namely for media. This practice is newer for me. It's a little harder. because I've been preparing for my fantasy draft. It's more uh, sporadic. I'm more sporadic with this one than I'm proud to admit. And I did have the thought, like, should I preach this right now? Like, or wait till after the draft? I wasn't sure. But I'm working on it. But it's, and it's long been needed in my life, if I'm honest. Each day for an hour a day, I just turn off my phone, put it on the charger, I step away to be intentionally present. The temptation of being online and connected is a temptation to be omnipresent, to be present in all places at once. I want to be on Twitter, on Instagram, on emails, gaming, scrolling the news. I want to be all present and also all knowing. I want to know everything that's going on everywhere. And what that is, is to say, I want to be like God, who is omnipresent and knows all. But I'm not. And the pursuit of being all-present, the temptation to try and be all-knowing, it has fracturing effects in our lives and our relationships and contributes to the very arrhythmia that we're trying to arrest. The way to break that is to fast to set it aside and to step away from the mirage of omnipresence and into true presence. Being present with yourself, with your family, with your friends, with your God. Being present in the moment that is in front of you and being present in the moment with the flesh that is in front of you in the here and now. So I want to encourage you to pray. Control the bookends of your day and then to fast. 
But the invitation that Jesus has for our lives, though, it's, it's far more than like, it's not just good rhythms. It's, it's far more than work-life balance or even better schedules. Matthew 11, it doesn't have Jesus saying something like, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give you balance. Um, it doesn't say, come to me, and I'll give you a rhythm, or come to me, and I'll give you less work. He says, come to me, and I'll give you a rest. Take my yoke, learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. As the message translation of the Bible says, it comes this way. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. In Christ, we find rest, and not rest like a nap, because I think that we know that we can sleep for 10 hours and wake up tired, or we can return from a vacation and feel exhausted. But Jesus is offering something deeper, and life isn't only about a healthy rhythm, it's also about a rest in that rhythm. Um, years ago, I got a friend, he's been a mentor to me over the years, uh, Don. Don bought a 100-year-old uh, house, a 100-year Victorian home in downtown Fresno, California when we lived there. And when he bought it, it had been like abandoned for years. It was super dilapidated, it was falling apart. I remember kind of walking with him through the house and we're like trying to mind our steps on the boards and, um, you know, just seeing the dilapidation. All the copper wires had been stripped out of the house and feral cats and like rodents had taken up residence and there was like trash and stench and it was everywhere. And the house is in this um, economically hard hit and, uh, neighborhood, but for all of its eyesore, it just captured Don's heart. He bought the house and he spent just nearly a year restoring it. And he's long since restored it now. And um, he's won historic preservation awards in the state of California and other things for his house. Don's house sits uh, directly in front of a home for women who are fleeing domestic violence. Right next to him is an immigration attorney's office to, the, to his immediate left. And across the street is a community center that serves disadvantaged youth in the neighborhood. And in many ways, Don's house is like surrounded by places of pain and hope. And in that regard, his house kind of fits right into the neighborhood. His porch um, is a sign of hope for his neighbors. Some of his own unhoused neighbors that come through and they know that they're welcome to sit on the porch swing for as long as they'd like. And in the evenings, Don is an amazing musician. And so in the evenings, he opens his windows and he opens his door and lets the screen door there and he plays the piano so that the music can waft out of the windows and the doors it can filter into the downtown dusk. As I mentioned, he's a musician, so he named his house Villa Fermata. I asked him about the name, and he told me that, he said, well, Watson, Fermata is actually a musical notation. And when it's written into music, it means to pause or to rest for an unspecified amount of time. There isn't a set of number of beats or counts to a fermata. It's at the musician's discretion. It's a rest for an unspecified length of time. When Johann Sebastian Bach would place it in his concertos or and cor chorals, it meant take a breath, breathe, rest. 
for as long as it needs. Please watch for as long as it needs. I suspect I'm not the only one who needs a few more formatas in my life. As we consider the season ahead of us, let us remember Jesus' invitation to join his graceful and grace-filled rhythm. And in a world like ours, in a pace like ours, my sense is that Jesus wants us to know that he has for us a few more formatas a few more rests of unspecified length so that we might know the rest that comes from the one who truly renews. Let me pray for you.